Welcome to the boss level. My name is Enigma. I am your evil supervillain host. I am also a 15-year video game industry veteran. I am also a lifelong gamer, game console collector, and a part-time streamer. Hope you are having a great week so far. Hope your weekend was great and fantastic. You stayed uh, cool because it's been a little, a little warm the past couple of days. Hope you're doing all right. And we're going to get your week started off right here with the boss level on Monday mornings as usual. Today we've got a couple of things we're going to talk about that are kind of retro in nature. We don't really have a uh, any news going on right now. We're in the doldrums of summer. There's not a lot going on as far as, as news goes. So uh, we're, it's going to be kind of some retro stuff here over the next uh, couple of weeks probably. But unless something crazy happens, we'll see. You never can tell. But uh, let's go ahead and get our good housekeeping out of the way first. As I did say, I am a part-time Twitch streamer. Uh, well, streamers, what I said, but I stream on Twitch, and you can find me over there at Evil Enigma. That is my username, Evil Enigma, E-N-Y-G-M-A. Evil spelled the right way, no spaces, nothing like that. And I am in the middle of streaming Final Fantasy 16. It is a completely blind playthrough, and I am enjoying the game quite a bit. Uh, I don't know how close we are to finishing the game, but I've been making sure to do as many of the side quests and, and uh, mark hunts as, as I can as we uh, continue going through the game. I think we've done three Mother Crystals so far, so we'll see how much farther we get. Uh, I'm taping this on Saturday the 29th, so tomorrow morning I will stream uh, s some more. But I stream Friday nights and Sunday mornings, and we I stream Chicago time, usually between 9 and 12, 9, 9 to 9.30 Central Standard Time on Friday night to midnight or 12.30 about sometimes a little before sometimes a little after and then i'll do the same thing on sunday morning 9 a.m to about noon you know sometimes a little before sometimes a little after um, but that is uh, when i stream three hours at a time and like i said we're playing final fantasy 16 i would love to see you on my streams i'd love to see you interact with me on twitter as well i'm over there at evil enigma the exact same spelling as my twitch handle and uh, I'm there active most of the day, uh, most of the week. I try to post funny things. I try to say funny things, make find funny memes for everybody, because I really want to uh, make everyone, at least one person, smile or laugh once per day. It uh, makes me happy to do that. It really does. You know, you can go find bad news anywhere. So I like to be a place where you can come, where you can uh, have a good time and kind of forget about your worries for a little bit and read over some of my stuff. Yeah, I don't really usually have a lot of hot takes, but I definitely want to make you smile. I definitely want to make you laugh. So come check me out and uh, over on those platforms and feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. I do pride myself on being easy to talk to and uh, approachable. So if you have any suggestions you'd like for the podcast, let me know and we'll uh, figure it out. Where's my stream? See what I can ever do to to uh, improve. I'm always looking to improve my content. So go ahead and follow me on those platforms. I would appreciate that. And always feel free to reach out to me. I'm pretty easy to get along with for the most part. I don't have to agree with your way of life to support your way to support your right to live that way. Okay. So don't think for one second just because I don't might not agree with you doesn't mean I don't think you should be able to live that way. That being said, I'm also a team member of Team Dragonfire, as well as a content creator for the Kindred Knights, which means we have our own line of hot sauces over at KindredNations.com. Take out that letter E at the end of Kindred and put the number three, because that's the way you kids spell things these days. And uh, you can go over there and check out our line of hot sauces. There are some excellent hot sauces over there. Everything is uh, freshly made. Everything is, is all natural stuff. Uh, they have some really, really good stuff over there. I, in particular, I do recommend the Night Sauce as well as the Team Dragonfire Sauce. Those are excellent sauces. And uh, the first chance I get, I would definitely want to try a new sauce or two. 
Uh, so I we'll see what they come up with, and maybe one day we'll have an Enigma sauce. That would be something. Get talk to me about that. Well, we can talk about that, Kindred Nations. But go over there and check out kindrednations.com. Use the code Enigma E N Y G M A when you check out, and you'll get ten percent off your order. And uh, get yourself some good hot sauce. Tell me what you think about it on social media as well. I'd appreciate that. Also, we're trying to become partnered with Glitch Energy, which is G L Y. TCH, Glitch Energy. They are an energy drink company, and they provide a lot of excellent flavors of energy drinks. They also have some supplements over there. I'm in particular a big fan of the Revive line, though, because I don't, I'm don't. i not a huge fan of energy drinks. I can't drink them. Uh, there's too much caffeine in them for me. But the Revive line is zero calories, zero caffeine, and zero sugar. So it's just really a really good flavoring for your water. It's got that sports drink stuff. I think it's got like the electrolytes because that's got what plants crave. Uh, in particular, their black, blackberry lemonade is is amazing. So uh, do yourself a favor. Go over there. Check out their uh, their their line of, of drinks over there, the, uh, the blackberry lemonade in particular. Uh, I like the cherry limeade as well. That's my second favorite one. But that blackberry lemonade, guys, is woof, woof. That's fire stuff. So go ahead and check that out. Use the code DRAGONXFIRE when you check out, and you will get 10% off your order. All right. Next item up for bids is that uh, some friends of mine are starting their own podcast. It's called the the Spicy Talk Podcast. It's what it's called, and it's hosted by my friends Grizzly and Fatal. They are members of the Kindred Knights as well as Team Dragonfire as well. And they're going to interview streamers and uh, eat hot sauce, probably wings with hot sauce, you know, like some other stuff you've probably seen. But it's going to be Kindred Nations hot sauce. Check that stuff out over at uh, Spicy Talk Podcast on Twitter. It's Spicy Talk is spelled uh, S-P-I-C-Y Talk, T-L-C-T-L-K. And then uh, podcast is P-D-C-S-T. That is where they are. Go check them out over there. They're going to post their first episode this weekend, I believe, and they are interviewing another good friend of mine, Alex Knightley. And uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing that, and maybe they'll have me on one of these days. But I am trying to help them with their podcast, so maybe they can help me out too, you know. I'm trying to to get bigger. I really could use the the help, you know. I want to grow. So uh, go ahead and check them out, guys. I know they greatly appreciate that. Tell them that Enigma sent you. And uh, enjoy enjoy the podcast. Uh, they are very very uh, wonderful people. Uh, Fatal is is she's a, a just a sweetheart of a human being, and uh, she has been very nice and welcoming to me into Team Dragonfire. And Grizzly really helped me get on with the Kindred Knights, and and he is an exceedingly helpful dude. And uh, I love them. They're great. So I I know they'd appreciate your support. I know I do, and uh, I know they will as well. So go give them a chance. A, a, a shout over there at Spicy Talk Podcast. I will uh, share out the link on Twitter once they start posting stuff to uh, their uh, podcast, whoever they're podcasting with. I know I'm on Spotify and Google and Apple. Uh, I don't know which ones they're going to go through yet. But once they are, I will make sure I share that out to you guys, okay? Thank you so much for listening to my good housekeeping stuff. I know uh, you know endorsements and stuff are really a big deal right now. That's where all uh, you know the, the creation stuff is, is getting endorsements and and uh, and sponsorships. So I uh, appreciate you guys listening to me about that. All right. So today I thought I would take some time to talk about uh, the most hyped up game, the first game that was really hyped up, really, really hyped up as far as commercial wise goes. What I mean commercial wise, not that there was commercials for it, but that there was really, really a big deal surrounding its its launch. 
Uh, now, uh, Final Fantasy VII was definitely hyped up. It really was. But there wasn't this... It was a huge deal. It was. I, and I really don't want to make to, to, to make it sound like it wasn't. But what I really wanted to focus on today was The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. And, uh, you know, this was on the Nintendo 64. It's, it's considered by a lot of people to be the greatest Zelda game ever. It's definitely in my top two or three, but it's not my number one. My number one will always be A Link to the Past on the Super Nintendo. Always will be. Uh, understand that uh, some folks grow, you know, grew up. It's like you know, your first kiss. You remember your first kiss. And uh, you know, just like Final Fantasy VII, Ocarina of Time was a lot of uh, younger people's first Zelda game. So it's their first kiss, their first girlfriend, their first boyfriend, whoever, you know, whatever. You always remember your first. So uh, it's, that's why it, it means a lot to, to, to folks like that. And I completely understand that mentality. Uh, that all being said, it was an exceedingly hyped up game. And uh, we knew it was coming on the N64. And you have to keep in mind that uh, this is back during the, you know, the, the, it was at the, the rear end of the, of the bit wars. Because the Nintendo 64 was a 64-bit console. It was supposed to be the most advanced console available at the time. And... Uh, it went cartridge-based, and we all know the story about all that, and we're not going to get into the, the nuts and the bolts of, of, of them and versus the PlayStation or anything like that. What I wanted to focus on today was their uh, their hyping of the Zelda game. Now, they're, now the, in the Nintendo 64, the first game was, was Mario 64 came out for the system, and it... Uh, I think it's overrated, but I know there's a lot of people who love that game. It is not a bad game. It is an excellent game, but it, it, to me, it's just like, okay, it's it's fine but um we were waiting for zelda and during the bit wars what i mean is, is that the graphics were constantly getting insanely better i know i've talked about this on the podcast before but uh, these days you don't see a big graphic upgrade from the playstation 4 to the playstation 5 or the xbox one to the xbox series s and x uh, do they look better they absolutely do but is it like this holy crap is it that kind of of thing no but back in the 90s, it was that way. Keep in mind, we went from the Nintendo, we went to the Nintendo 64 right from the Super Nintendo. So we went from 16-bit graphics to 64-bit graphics. Okay, I mean, and they were polygonal and all that. It was it was a huge jump graphically from what we had with the pixelized stuff we had seen on the Super Nintendo, and from the PlayStation as well. When we went from the Super Nintendo and the and the Sega Genesis to the PlayStation and the Saturn, it was a big jump graphically. And then the generation after that was even a bigger jump. So we went from you know PlayStation One to PlayStation Two, guys. That was a huge graphic upgrade and then from PlayStation 2 to PlayStation 3 was a huge graphic upgrade. So we would we would really see these big upgrades and the the thing is is that when we knew Nintendo was going Nintendo 64, we were really excited for the core franchises that we knew Nintendo was responsible for. We knew that Mario was going to look and play great. We knew that they were going to do a Star Fox. We guessed they were going to do a Metroid, which they didn't. Uh, we, that Zelda was the one we were all kind of hanging our hat on. We were waiting to see what is Zelda going to be like. We, I, we, it's going to look so good. It's going to play so good. I can't imagine how good this game is going to look. How good this game is going to be. We were all really excited for the new the new uh, Zelda game. And uh, it it was really hyped up. We knew they were working on it, and we in and it was it was a big deal. And and when they finally announced it back in you know the the late 90s that they were working on it we kind of were waiting with bated breath for it and i believe it was at the time that guinness book world records had set the pre-order uh 
record was the Ocarina of Time. It had reserved more copies than any other game at that point. And uh, there's a reason why, which we will get into. But it, it just was this uh, this juggernaut of a force, and it was coming out between two uh, Final Fantasy games. And uh, I might have touched this on this before on the podcast, but uh, there was some really negative energy between Square and Nintendo after the uh, really after Nintendo had uh, lost Square. Uh, as the story goes, is that Square basically had cut their teeth on Nintendo consoles. They had always been with Nintendo consoles. And uh, the second they could jump ship to Sony, they did. And uh, if you really want to get down to the nuts and the bolts of it, it comes down to Nintendo was Nintendo was doing a lot of things shady with their business practices back on the Super Nintendo. They were bumping up their publishing fees. They were uh, sticking with the cartridge for the N64. And at the same time, you you had a lot of their their third party partners their part uh, their publishing partners their you know their marketing partners were seeing let fewer and fewer sales because they couldn't compete with what Nintendo was doing because Nintendo didn't have to pay their own publishing fees so you'd see games like Earthworm Jim come out and be ten dollars more on the shelf than Donkey Kong Country and you know when your mom is in the store looking at you're, you're getting you a Christmas gift, and she's looking at the games, and she sees you have both Earthworm Jim 2 and and uh, Donkey Kong Country on your list, and she sees one of them is $10 less than the other one. Which one is your mom going to buy? You know, So Nintendo had a lot of uh, negative connotations around them at that time, a lot of the negative energy, and a lot of their third parties ended up leaving or branching off. You, you'd see everyone who was on the Super Nintendo bandwagon that was a third party had basically signed on to, to develop for the PlayStation. Sony quartered them. Sony did the whole, give us everything. Bring, come over here and put it, your, out your games on our console. You can publish games for a lot cheaper because uh, CDs are, are pennies at a dollar to make as opposed to the $10 that Nintendo's forcing you to pay to, to just assemble a cartridge. So it was uh, it was a big deal, and and when Square left, Nintendo took it personally. Nintendo was really upset about it because they looked at it that where would Square be without Nintendo? Which is another thing to think about. It's who made who. Uh, I mean, Nintendo obviously would be around whether Square was around or not, but Square would was they owed a lot of their success to Nintendo. Nintendo helped them. They published games for them over here. They were, they did their best to make sure Square was a success. So when they felt spurned, basically, when they were left at the altar, they thought they were going to be there with Final Fantasy on the Nintendo 64, and lo and behold, Final Fantasy 7 ends up coming out on the PlayStation. So there was a lot of negative energy there, and Nintendo, because of that, was suffering in the role-playing game department. They didn't have any RPGs outside of what Square really had, you know. I mean, Breath of you know, Breath of Fire was uh, on Super Nintendo from Capcom and things like that, but they didn't have a lot of uh, companies that were bringing out quality role-playing games for the Nintendo 64. Uh, I can remember when Quest 64 came out; it was considered to be like the first RPG on the console, and I remember playing it and going, "It's kind of." mediocre it, it really is not that sony had a lot of, of, of great rpgs either if you go back and look at their first ones that they had before final fantasy 7 you know wild arms was really good but uh beyond the beyond was decent at best persona was mechanically you know there was some mechanics wrong with that it's still a great game but i mean it went on to do 
gangbusters with with other other stuff but there just wasn't a whole lot of meat on the bone with the rpgs rpgs were still kind of considered to be a niche audience at that time and it wasn't until final fantasy 7 that the rpg basically kicked the door open and said we're here bring out more titles and it welcomed in a lot more things that we would not we would not have seen here on this side of the pacific if it wasn't for the successes of final fantasy 7 that being said, the N64 didn't really have anything on the RPG front. And if you look at, and not that Zelda's an RPG, let's let's put this baby to bed right now. There's a lot of people out there who tell you that Zelda's a role-playing game because it's got fantasy elements and he swings a sword and all that. Zelda is not a role-playing game. Zelda is an adventure game, okay? If you look at Zelda and Metroid Prime and, and Batman, the Arkham games, they're all basically the same game uh in a way obviously they have different differences about them but they're mechanically they are exactly the same you can get so far doing one thing and then uh, you have to go find an item or beat a dungeon to get a little farther and that you know that that kind of stuff and and that is how uh those games operate so zelda is an adventure game in my opinion it is not an rpg but at the time, it was considered an RPG, and, and they needed something in that RPG quiver. They needed something RPG-like. They had to have something like that, and we knew we knew they were working on Zelda. Just like I know right now, I know we just, uh, Breath of the Wild, not Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom just came out a couple months ago. I already know they're, on the, they're hard at work on the next Zelda game. <laughs> There's no doubt. Whatever their next Zelda game is going to be, they're already working on it. They're probably not don't have hardware and you sign to it or anything like that, but they're probably already working on storyboards and character designs and the story and all that good stuff. So we knew that they were working on Zelda. Nintendo was not shy about saying they were working on Zelda. It's coming. It's coming. We know it's coming. And uh, then they did something exceedingly uh, smart, something really, really smart, and something that is the first time I remember this happening with a console game. And it probably... Uh, uh, it, it went on to influence a lot of what we ha- would go on to see as limited editions that are still around today. Uh, your favorite games that you know right now that you purchase and you get the limited editions because they come with something really cool or uh, something like that all pr- can pretty much owe their thanks to Ocarina of Time because Nintendo did something exceedingly smart and that was they offered a gold cartridge to anyone who pre-ordered the game, which was so smart. And if uh, you're not aware, the original Zelda games that came out on the uh, and uh, the original Nintendo were both gold cartridges. Uh, the pla- the gray plastic that Nintendo had used for everybody else with Zelda, they had a special shiny gold cartridge, so it automatically drew attention to the you go. Wow, that's different, right? I mean, geez. And both Zelda 1 and Zelda 2 had a gold cartridge. Now, they would reissue them later when they made them greatest hits and brought them out as gray cartridges. And from what I understand, the gray ones are actually more valuable than the the gold ones because there's more of the gold ones. Because they left it out that way. They kept printing it for so long that uh, it's, it's just how it was. It's just how it was. But truth of the matter is, is that they were going to offer the gold cartridge to anyone who pre-ordered Ocarina of Time. Now, I can t- also tell you, I believe they released it in 1998. And that was wondering, uh, during a time period where I was not working in gaming. Uh, for those who are not aware, I, like I said, I'm a 15-year industry veteran. Uh, I worked retail and for 15 years in video game sales. 
my first couple of jobs were in some uh, small chains and um, and uh, franchises in central Arkansas. This is my first uh, couple of, of stints in video games. And so I was not working in gaming at the time. Uh, I would go on to work in gaming, I think the year after that. I would uh, go on to uh, work in game. I worked at EB Games uh, in one of the malls in North Little Rock, Arkansas for a little while. Uh, but I was working a secondary job at the same time, which paid me three times more than what I was making there. I was just there to enjoy myself and get a, get the discount, and I just couldn't do it. I would wake up at 6 a.m., and I wouldn't get home till dang near 10 p.m., and I, I just, even in my 20s, guys, I was in my 20s at that point, and that, that's a long road to hoe, so I couldn't continue doing that, and I ended up leaving that position uh, shortly after. I think I was only there for three months or so. Uh, it was 1999 because of the Dreamcast. I worked at Dreamcast launch, so I do I do remember that. But uh, the truth of the matter is is and I keep saying that uh, I they they initially said they were bringing out Zelda in March or April of 1998. That's when we're going to bring out Legend of Zelda in March. And I said, "There's no way. There's no way that's going to happen." And people were, my friends looked at me like, how do you know? What are you talking about? That's crazy. I said, they're going to bring it out at Christmas. It's going to be November when they bring that out. Why would they hang on? Why would they bring it out in March when they can sell, you know, 10 times more cartridges for Christmas? There's no way they're going to hang on to that. They're, they're, they're not going to hang on to that till Christmas. Otherwise, what are they going to bring out at Christmas? They have to have something for Christmas, right? And it ends up that Enigma was exactly correct. They delayed it until Christmas. We got it in November. And it was it was a very big deal. It was the first game I can really remember that uh, when I walked into the uh, I, I, at the EB Games where I was I was friends with the manager there, and that's where I re- reserved it from and bought it there. That I can remember when I went in there to get it that it was you you could just tell that that was all they were doing that was all they were moving that day was. Legend of Zelda like no one else came in the store for anything that day it was all Legend of Zelda and to me it was the biggest game launch I had seen at that point it was the most hyped up thing I had seen yes Final Fantasy 7 had a lot of hype behind it uh, it invented the hype train as far as I'm concerned but the freaking Zelda guys you just have unless you were there and you were a, 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 if you were Watching what was going on, you would just, it, it was insane the amount of, of stuff going on around it. And Nintendo was smart enough to have toys around. And then you could buy the strategy guide. They had limited edition strategy guides as well. And because of that gold cartridge, I think, and I really do mean this, I, as I was kind of alluding to earlier, all the limited editions you see now, all of them, one we're getting for Starfield coming out here next month, the one that uh, you know we got for God of War, the you know the big two three hundred dollar limited editions, we can owe a lot of that to the fact that Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time was reserved out the yin yang because everybody wanted that gold cartridge, everybody wanted it, and uh, guys, it's it to, to me that's uh, that. I don't see how that could be disputed, quite frankly. There weren't a lot of limited editions on console at the time. Yeah, you'd see some PC stuff with, with the limited edition stuff, but consoles was a different market completely at that point. So it was a very big deal. Uh, of course, then the game came out, and, and it was uh, fantastic, of course. I can I remember playing it religiously until I actually beat it. And uh, I can I can tell you this, and, uh, and I really honestly do believe this, and I say this, 
as a as a Zelda fan, I I love Legend of Zelda. I do. It's one of my favorite game series, probably number two, behind uh, Final Fantasy. And um, I don't believe Nintendo actually believe looked at having a story on an ongoing narrative in the story. I I don't. I think that they looked at every game as being its own thing until. And they got to a point where people were trying to piece together their own timelines, and Nintendo finally said, "Well, we should do that. <laughs> we can sell some. We can sell some books if we uh, if we announce that we're announcing our own timeline for it. Because if you look at the first, but if you take Zelda two out and you take out uh, the you know the, the the Game Boy ones, Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past, and Ocarina of Time have suspiciously." Uh, close to having the same story the same reveals the same enemies the same everything it to me it was more of a retelling of legend of zelda as opposed to oh this is zelda 3 this is zelda 4 this is zelda 5 that i don't look at zelda that way i know it, in retrospect now you can say well of course they were doing that look they had they, here's the now they're having they have the the timeline and everything there's three timelines and and all that and you are not wrong you are a thousand percent not wrong on that and and uh it looks foolish for me to say that now if you're looking at it that way. But the truth of the matter is, if you were playing Zelda, you were playing Zelda because you wanted to play you wanted to play Zelda. And the truth is, another thing, I keep saying the truth is, uh, Miyamoto, you know, got got among among men when it comes to uh, game development, did not really believe in story as a reason for people playing games. He looked at mechanics, he looked at you know, uh, gameplay as the big deal. Tr- gameplay trumped story. He did not see the point in focusing so much on story. He wanted to make sure that everything made sense mechanically. He's to this day he is a mechanically ki- kind of guy. He wants to make sure that everything looks right and moves right. And why can't he climb this tree? Why can't he do this? He has an axe. Why can't he cut that tree down? That that's Miyamoto's stuff. That's what he does. Story storyline stuff. He it's it does not mean as much to him, or hasn't meant as much to him. I should say it might now, but it, it, during that time period, he was not really into developing big stories. He was not into that. So so when you hear that Nintendo was was uh, working on a, a storyline, an ongoing timeline for Zelda. As back then in the 90s, they were not. There, there's just no way. Miyamoto didn't care. Nintendo didn't care. It just what happened to be one day they woke up and realized, you know what, we have a dozen games and people are putting together their own timelines. Why don't we do the same thing and we can sell some books and, and then we can actually have a narrative and now we can make our future games to fit around this timeline that we're going to make. That's what happened in my honest and humble opinion. I just don't believe that they took the time to uh, say from you know, Zelda 1, this is where this is going to be in the timeline. You know, Here's Zelda 2. It's going to be an exact sequel, which it was. But here's Zelda 3, and it's going to take place before it. And then we're going to do uh, Link's Awakening, which will be a sequel to that. There's no way they had all that stuff planned out to the three timelines and all that sort of thing. There's no way they had all that planned out from the very start. Okay? But uh, that being said, uh, the the games are, are fan are the game was fantastic. It uh, it won Game of the Year that year and, and several magazines, and it deserved it. It really did. And again, you have to look at the fact that we were looking. We took Zelda from the Super Nintendo, 
If you look at Super Nintendo Zelda and you look at Ocarina of Time, it's night and day. The way that the game looks and the way that the game plays is completely different. And, uh, guys, it was, whew. I mean, it, it was great. And, and still, Zelda 3 is still, you know, A Link to the Past is still my favorite Zelda game ever. But I can't tell you that I would sit there and look at both of those games and go, well, obviously, this game, <laughs> the Super Nintendo game is better because look at this. No, the, Zelda, the, the N64 game, the graphics were amazing. The gameplay was, was really well done. The music was great. They, they, they bumped up everything in a link to, or a, a Ocarina of Time, and uh, it really, really uh, kind of blew the doors off of what we could expect from a video game, quite frankly. We were getting from the, the point where games were no longer just entertainment. They were actually turning into art. And I, I really do think that uh, Zelda, was, you know, the Ocarina of Time was one of the first games to really show the art style, they, that this was an art form as opposed to just uh, something to keep a kid busy for a couple of hours. You know, that's kind of how games were looked at at that point. And you have to remember as well is that back in the 90s, you know, let's just uh, 80s and 90s, games were not looked at as what they are now. Now everybody plays games. You know, my dad is in his 60s and he's always played games. But, you know, uh, I play games. My brothers play games. His, uh, his kids play games. I work with uh, people who play games that are younger than me a lot. Of course, I'm in my 40s now, but uh, you know, it's, the thing is is that gaming is now widely accepted to be what it is, a, a genuine business and art form that it, that it actually is, as opposed to back in the 90s when people found out that I was a, a gaming geek, that I loved games. You know, it, it was not looked at it the, as the same coolness factor as it might be looked at today or accepted. You know, uh, so it, it was uh, not nearly the money making. It was it was growing. It wasn't the money maker that it is now, but uh, it, it was not looked at with the with the same rose colored glasses as a hobby, as it is now because of the amount of people that are really into it. So, just keep that in mind if you are looking back at the uh, how gaming was in the '90s or gaming was in the '80s, and and just. Uh, Keep you know, keep, just keep that in mind. That, that uh, when I say I earned my stripes as a gamer, I really mean that because I had to. I had to earn it. I I was uh, you know the gaming exists today because people like me got made fun of and kept kept it around. You know, uh, I'm not saying that gaming wouldn't exist if it wasn't for me. What I'm saying though is is that we're the ones who who started. The, the lifestyle and kept the thing going and now it's grown and, bl and blossomed into this this form of uh, this art form that uh, has rivaled television and movies and music to the point to where we a lot of folks don't watch tv i can't tell you the last time i sat down and watched scripted television you know uh and made a habit to do it uh Yes, I've watched some shows, but it's not like I go, oh gosh, Tuesday at 7 p.m. I have to sit down in front of the TV because, oh gosh, you know, th this is going to be on. I have totally have to watch this. That doesn't really happen with scripted TV in, in my house anymore, and it hasn't happened that way with me since, I'm going to say 20 years. I, I'm, I, don't, I don't remember the last time I really sat down and, and uh, made it an effort to watch a scripted network television show. I, I, I just I just haven't. But I will sit there and pine for a new game. I will sit there and say, geez, you know, Starfield's coming out in a month. Can't wait for that. You know, I'm waiting for that with bated breath. You know, that kind of thing. That's what happens with games. It's not happening with a lot of movies and TV shows anymore. So 
guys, we that that's what that's what I'm saying is that we had to earn our way up there, though. It wasn't uh, it wasn't always like that. It really wasn't. Of course, since Zelda, the uh, reservation thing and the hype thing has gotten crazy go nuts for a lot of other games, quite frankly, and and probably the most hyped game. I remember being a part of uh, when I was working in this industry was probably Halo 2. And again, I know that we've surpassed Halo 2's numbers, but Halo 2 was another game that was very hyped up. It was hyped up and delayed a couple of times, and and it ended up uh, selling a whole ton of copies. It, and not just a whole ton. I mean, just just a, a it was amazing how many copies that it sold. And it was because of, you know, the hype surrounding it. Microsoft hyped it up like crazy. And if you want to know why Bungie no longer owns the rights to Halo, what they created, it's simply because Microsoft, when they when Bungie was buying their independence back, I know now they're owned by Sony, but they were, Bungie was buying their independence back. They didn't want to be Halo monkeys. And uh, Microsoft said, fine, you can, uh, you can be independent and become an independent company. Uh, game maker again but uh, you don't get to take halo with you because halo is just as much ours as it is yours which ended up being true where would halo be if it wasn't for the hype train that microsoft put put behind it and and i don't disagree with that i don't think anybody would you know uh marketing is is a big deal when it comes to entertainment so don't uh just poo poo the marketing train you know uh that Otherwise, Halo is just another game, and and I, I've made this argument before too. As good as Halo is, and Halo is very good, I'm not uh, poo-pooing Halo whatsoever. But if you take Halo and uh, put it on the PlayStation a year earlier, it's just another game. You know, it's not anything uh, that that sets the world on fire. The fact that Microsoft made it the the standard bearer for their their uh, flagship, their their console, their very first console, it was their flagship for that. Uh, that that was a, that said something. It was a big deal. And then when they, they announced the sequel and they showed that first uh, video, I can I can still see that video in my head right now because they showed it at E three about the Master Chief having two guns and, and in his hands and all that and and that his his run through that little area. That was that was a big deal. It made a whole lot of people excited to play it. And then they had to delay it a couple of times. And I I remember that uh, when they finally released it in uh november it's it was crazy it was it, first of all it was it was kind of nuts because we weren't uh we I, we were kind of all half expecting for them to delay it again i, I it had been delayed so many times it just kind of felt like oh well it's supposed to come out in november we'll see peter moore got his tattoo on his arm about it but we'll see we'll see if it actually comes out or not plus what did halo 2 do they did the same thing basically that uh Nintendo did with Zelda is that there was steelbook versions of of Halo 2 out there. So they they were really smart to do that. They copied what Nintendo had done with uh, with with uh with Zelda and you know those that kind of stuff may, means something. And in these days you look at the limited editions, you look at the fact you pre-order a certain thing, get a steelbook case with it or if you get the limited edition, you get special items or, or whatever. We can trace that all back to that Zelda thing, guys. It, 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 to me, that's that's where it all started on consoles was this idea that if you pre-ordered, you got this limited edition and, and uh, only you and uh, the per- people who pre-ordered it could say that they, they had it. It would, it would separate you from the normies. It was a way to show that you were much more hardcore and much more of a fan 
than they were because you had the gold cartridge. You had the one that that everybody wanted uh, that that meant something. That you pre-ordered the game. You wanted it so much. That's that's uh, that's really what it was. And you know, hey, they, Microsoft did the same thing with Halo. Pre-order, you get that uh, limited edition with that cool um, silver steel book case. I still have mine, don't I? Yep, there it is. It was a big deal, and uh, they still do that to this day to a point. I, th- I think that with gaming guys, we're, we're all kind of tribalistic in a way. You know, I, I personally believe in, a, in the big tent philosophy that you know uh, gaming brings a lot of people together. You know, I'm friends with people who from every corner of the world because of streaming, and our love of gaming brings us all together. And no, we might not agree on movies or music or food or politics or anything but guy by god we love games you know we love games and that's what really brings us all together and if you get to play a game with somebody or you what you watch someone stream a game and, and you they go through the same kind of struggles that you did when you were playing it or they help you out figure something out that you didn't know that you were playing all of a sudden that makes that person a little more relatable and human to you you don't see someone that's well they're over in the uk and i'm in chicago so we don't agree on anything that's not it that's not it. Look, look at it from the, the fact that we're all gamers, we all enjoy games, and we do still want to find people who are like-minded to us. So I am very much in favor of, uh, of, of that kind of mentality, and that, that's why I've never really been the type to try to alienate people from, from the, uh, the fandom, from, from being a gamer. You know, I, As far as I'm concerned, you, you're, if you play a game on a phone... You play it on an iPad, you play it on a console, you play it on a PC, you can play it on a anything you want. If you enjoy playing games, you're a gamer, and there's no one who can tell you otherwise, and no one can keep you out of it. So, so do yourself a favor and just uh, don't don't look at anybody else that way either. You know, that's that's just my opinion. That's the opinion of a fat old man. But uh, with all due seriousness, I think we could all really stem from just being uh, more understanding of and accepting and realizing that we all are part of this great big wonderful hobby this purest form of escapism i i had someone on twitter ask me about that there there's someone on twitter asked why do you why, why do you play games and i just said because it's a purest form of escapism we have today you know uh you can watch tv right now you can go to a movie theater and uh or listen to music and there's going to be a lot of stuff in there that's going about stuff going on today a lot of things that are going on in 2023 and by God, some days I just want to be Batman. You know, I just want to, to, to turn off my brain and immerse myself in a gaming universe and be Batman or be a wizard or, or a demon hunter or, or whatever. And just really enjoy being part of that world for a little bit. And I really do think that's a, a why gaming has lasted as long as it has and why it will continue to last. Because you look at movies from the sense of you go and you watch a movie for two or three hours and you're part of that universe for a little while and you either like it or you don't like it. But the truth of the matter is gaming lasts a lot more and it's more, much more interactive. So I really do believe that that is uh, ga- why gaming is really important is because it is the purest form of escapism we have today. It's interactive entertainment. You can play the games how you want to play them. And a lot of them don't have messaging in it, inserting messaging from current day stuff going on so if you really want to escape and you want to be batman or you want to be spider-man or you want to be a wizard or a demon hunter or whatever you can do that and you can really just kind of escape what's going on today and we all need that we do especially 
the older you get, the more you need it. Not that I know anything about that. <laughs> but yes, uh, I, I honestly do believe that. So let's uh, let's all just unite in a form of gaming and, and enjoy it. Really are, am in favor of that. All right. So that's really what, what I want to talk about today. Uh, now, I, I do need to update you guys a little bit on what's going on over the next month. And I did say, and I will continue to update you guys on what's going on. And it comes down to the fact that uh, in a month, less than five weeks, it's a, it'll officially be a month on Monday, I will be uh, going on vacation. My first vacation I've had in a very long time. I am looking so forward to it. And uh, my girlfriend and I are going to Italy. And we are going to have a great time. We already have everything you know, set aside and, and ready to go. But obviously, if I'm in Italy for a week... I won't be here, so I won't be able to record a podcast. I won't be able to stream. However, I will record a podcast ahead of time. I think I already know what I'm going to record it about, and uh, we're, we'll, I'll get that taped and in the can and get it ready for yeah, scheduled for posting for while we're gone. But I won't tape it until later on in the month because just in case you know something crazy happens. But uh, I I, uh, I will definitely keep everyone updated of what's going on with that. Uh, it will be the first week of September. So that first weekend of September, August 31st, uh, September 1st, September 2nd, I will not be around to uh, post a podcast. I will not be here to, uh, well, I, I will still post a podcast, but I will not be here to stream. And uh, I'll still keep, you know, be on, active on Twitter if I can. I might post pictures from my vacation and, and things of that nature, which should be uh, a lot of fun. You know, going to Italy. I've never been to Europe before, so that's going to be something I'm really. I'm, it's not going to be something I'm looking forward to. I am looking forward to it immensely. And uh, but uh, you know, come into my Twitter account and watch for my pictures. You'll see me taking pictures as a fan of you know sightseeing and maybe some food and all that good stuff. So. But uh, you know, watch my Twitter account. I'll definitely let people know. But uh, don't, just don't forget the first week of September, I will not be streaming. And I'll continue to remind people of that. We are on the home stretch now. We have a couple more things we need to do before we uh, are completely done. But uh, we're 99.9% .9 ready to go. So, uh, I mean, besides the packing for the most part. So, we, you know, we got Euros. We, we're ready to, ready to go. So, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, can't wait. Can't wait. You know, really, really need to. A trip we need some escape you know we need to escape for a little for a little bit and it's going to be a lot of fun so thank you for listening to that and thank you for listening to this podcast i do appreciate you being here and listening to that i would appreciate it if you would uh, follow the podcast and maybe write a review for me that would be great i do want to get better at this uh, and i need to probably get some music at the beginning or something to that effect and gosh i just i've never done it before so I'm, not that i'm I, i'll probably have to buy something <laughs> which i get but uh it, it, i just i want to make sure that it's good for everybody and we'll see we'll see so i will talk to everybody here coming up this uh this week on twitter and then i will be on this weekend friday night sunday morning and we're doing final fantasy 16 until i until we beat the game and then we'll see what happens uh, next month after i get back from vacation i would plan on starfield at least for a little bit We'll see what uh, how Starfield actually ends up being because we all know Bethesda is the kind of company that shows really good sizzle reels for their games. And then when the game comes out sometimes, it doesn't live up to what the hype is, which happens a lot. But Bethesda is pretty good at it. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I do plan on at least trying to stream some Starfield when that, uh, when that comes out here next month after I get back from Italy. 
and uh, we will see how that goes. All right, so thank you so much for listening. I do appreciate your time. Thank you. I hope you have a great and wonderful week. Go follow me on Twitter and and, uh, interact with me there. I will be active this week, uh, hopefully sharing some funny stuff, okay? So thank you so much, guys, and I will talk to you soon.